This is Annie Stevens-Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'd like to welcome you to our worship podcast. Good evening. This is Reverend Gary Lubin, serving as deacon with the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to our daily devotion in the early evening for individuals and families, which can be found on page 139 of the Book of Common Prayer. Our reading for today from the Daily Office is the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 23 through chapter 3, verse 15. Now let us begin our worship together. O gracious light, pure brightness of the ever-living Father in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed, now as we come to the setting of the sun and our eyes behold the vesper light, we sing your praises, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices, O Son of God, O giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. A reading from the Gospel of John. When he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to testify about anyone, for he himself knew what was in everyone. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with that person. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, How can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. 
the Gospel of our Lord. Good evening. Today's reading from the Daily Office describes the first of three episodes in which Nicodemus appears in the Bible, all in the Gospel of John. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, we are informed, a leader among his people, the Jewish people, a prominent, respected member of the religious establishment, and a member of the Sanhedrin tribunal. Now, Jesus was the talk of the town. However, most Pharisees opposed Jesus. But Nicodemus seemed to be curious, maybe even beyond just curious, I think the Holy Spirit was at work here. Nicodemus is drawn, compelled to meet with Jesus, but under the cover of night so that he can have a private, secret, and importantly, unobserved meeting, a one-on-one conversation with this Jesus person from Galilee. After all, Nicodemus has a reputation to think of and wouldn't want to be caught dead being seen with Jesus. In a nutshell, Nicodemus's colleagues overwhelmingly have it in for Jesus. Why is that the case, you may inquire? Well, let me tell you. Jesus is in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Immediately leading up to this meeting in the dark, Jesus had cleansed the temple. And he did this openly during the day for everyone to see and take note. Jesus takes offense at the profit-making businesses that are being conducted on the grounds of the temple. For one thing, the selling of animals meant for sacrifice, like cattle, sheep, and doves. Then there were the money changers exchanging other currencies for the temple coin that was required to purchase those poor fated animals. Jesus goes so far as to make a whip of cords, driving all of them out of the temple, his very own father's house, it is noted, being operated as a marketplace. He overturns their tables. Money must have been spilling everywhere. Animals escaping their certain fate. Yet, here's the rub, the divine irony. John tells us when he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. At the minimum, they probably didn't care about Jesus cleaning the temple. And, you know, optimally speaking, I suppose, you could say that they were cheering him on. The religious establishment is losing control of their people. All of this taking place is like having salt rubbed and scrubbed into their already wounded pride. They are so very proud and arrogant. So, knowing about all the stories that he has heard, about all the miracles and Jesus' behavior and how so much the people love him, Nicodemus kicks off the conversation at night in the dark by saying, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with that person. Now, is Nicodemus being sincere, or is he like just trying to butter up Jesus? 
to get him to lower his guard or something like that? I don't know. No matter, though, because Jesus sincerely tells him, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Without being born from above. Or born anew, as it were. Or to be authentically changed. Another way of saying it or putting it is, unless one is born again, one cannot see the kingdom of God, cannot see, hear, feel, experience the love of God. The ensuing discussion centers on exactly what is meant by being born again. Do we not all <laughs> wonder the same thing? <laughs> and also, do we not all have healthy debates about the subject? So then Nicodemus, you know, one rabbi to another, makes a bit of a midrash move to logically eliminate one of the glaring alternatives, just to make sure, you know, you understand, that Jesus is not talking about literal rebirth. And I'm glad he had the fortitude to ask rather than I having to do it. So anyway, Jesus sincerely elaborates, explaining no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and if you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? How can these things be? Well, you know who also asked that question? Mother Mary did so when Gabriel showed up to let her know that she would bear a son named Jesus. The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He would be called the Son of God. Well, I think that same Holy Spirit came upon Nicodemus too. I'm sure of it. There are also some important things Jesus says that immediately follow today's reading. Jesus affirms that God sent his Son into the world to bring light and salvation and to save the world, not to condemn it. One of those lines is the much-quoted, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Or, for short, just John 3.16. The second episode involving Nicodemus is when he speaks up for Jesus in his defense. In chapter 7, while present at a meeting of the Jewish leaders who are considering how to silence Jesus, to arrest him, to have him done away with, Nicodemus says, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning of what he does? His colleagues turn on him saying, Are you from Galilee too? Their derogatory reply implies that nothing good can come from the other side of the tracks. Certainly no prophet of all things can possibly come from Galilee. The third event involving Nicodemus 
happened after Jesus was crucified. The curiouser and curiouser Nicodemus, along with Joseph of Arimathea, also a renegade seeker and a member of the Sanhedrin, well, they retrieved Jesus' body from the cross. You might say that Nicodemus has finally been caught with even catching Jesus, albeit his dead body, from the cross. But now in public and in the light of day, in front of and even with the approval of the Romans, and in front of the Jewish people who had yelled out, Crucify him! Perhaps to make amends or because he is a convert now, a believer and born again, born of the Spirit, as Jesus alluded to, Well, Nicodemus provides about 100 pounds of exorbitantly expensive perfume consisting of myrrh and aloes with which to anoint the body. Nicodemus was a wealthy person. So was Joseph. And they are both now richer than ever, but in a spiritual sense. This wild extravagance they provide is the royal treatment. And Jesus is indeed a royal sovereign in their eyes. Nicodemus first met Jesus in the dark. It can be said Nicodemus was in the dark. But darkness, you know, isn't all that bad. After all, remember, Genesis teaches us that in the beginning, darkness covered the face of the deep. And everything started from there. And you've heard of the dark night of the soul. I think that, as Simon and Garfunkel sang in Sounds of Silence, darkness was his old friend and left its seeds while he was sleeping, and the vision that was planted in his brain still remained. It was a holy darkness. It was transformative. First of all, Without Jesus even being there, he defended Jesus in front of the Sanhedrin, albeit unsuccessfully. And then, in the very end, Nicodemus provides Jesus an honorable, classy ending, a really royal send-off. I offer that for Nicodemus, the darkness was a womb-like, temporary, transitory beginning of something new. In the end... Nicodemus came to the light. He was born, reborn, born again in water and the Spirit. So how does this story about Nicodemus make sense to us in this day and age? How does the current polarization of our country compare and contrast with those events of first century Palestine? Well, on August 16, 1967, In my lifetime, the year I graduated from high school, less than eight months from when he was murdered, in his speech titled, Where Do We Go From Here?, given to the 11th Annual Convention of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference held in Atlanta, Georgia, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. invoked Nicodemus as a metaphor concerning the need for the United States of America as a country, as a country, mind you, to be born again, to be born again, to effectively address gross social and economic inequality that existed then 
and still exists now. The speech could be likened to Jesus cleansing the temple. Our house still needs cleansing in order to become a beloved community like we have said we want to become. King reviewed a lot of stuff in that speech of his, including reviewing the many and varied injustices of the time, but kind of summed up the whole thrust and theme of his speech by comparing and contrasting power and love, saying the following, and I quote, Now we got to get this thing right. What is needed is a realization that power without love is reckless and abusive, and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best, power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice, and justice at its best is love correcting everything that stands against love. And this is what we must see as we move on. End quote. Now, if you need a copy of King's Cleanse the Temple Born Again speech, Where Do We Go From Here? Let me know and I'll send it to you. Or you can actually get it off the web like I did. And it's also on YouTube so that you can hear it in King's very own resonant voice. I commend it to you as a worthwhile task to accomplish during our Lenten journey together. Amen. And now a reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. It is not ourselves that we proclaim. We proclaim Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For the same God who said, Out of darkness let light shine, has caused his light to shine within us, to give the light revelation, the revelation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let us now say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now let us pray together today's collect, which is from Sunday, the first Sunday in Lent. Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So let us now take some time, pausing our worship together, if you need to do that, to offer up our prayers of intercession, thanksgiving and praise for the world, for the church, for our national life, for the social and natural orders, for family and personal life, in particular for those who are suffering and those who have died.
O Lord, our God, accept the fervent prayers of your people in the multitude of your mercies. Look with compassion upon us and all who turn to you for help. For you are gracious, O lover of souls, and to you we give glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray the colic for the human family from page 815 of the prayer book. O God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your Son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth. That in your good time, all nations, all peoples of the earth, the one human family may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray the Collect for Social Order and Social Justice, found on page 823 of the prayer book. Grant, O God, that your holy and life-giving Spirit may so move every human heart, and especially the hearts of the people of this land, the barriers which divide us may crumble, suspicions disappear, and hatred cease. That our divisions being healed, we may live in justice and peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now let us pray the concluding colic from page 139. Lord Jesus, stay with us, for evening is at hand and a day is past. Be our companion in the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope that we may know you as you are revealed in Scripture and the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. Now go in peace, hope, and joy to love and serve our God in the name of our Teacher and Savior, Jesus. Mm-hmm.